Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. Uh, I am Peyton Guthrie, one of your hosts uh, on this lovely, lovely podcast. Uh, all joined as always on our public feed with Matt and Alan uh, to kind of uh, complete the triumvirate of our OU fandom. Uh, Matt, how's it going over in Oklahoma City? I've we've I think we've double checked. You currently are not under a tornado watch. Myself in Southeast right. Oklahoma is under a tornado watch. So if I get blown away, uh, we'll all know why. Right, not not yet under tornado watch, uh, thankfully, but we will definitely monitor that. But I'm I'm doing well, man, doing well. Uh, I had the morning show this morning. I was filling in for Eddie uh, Radosevich, so uh, it was it was an early morning for sure. The 5:30 a.m. alarm. <laughs> it never gets Oof. easy. It never it's never easy. But uh, we rally, we rally. We took a fat nap and then watched the the <laughs> second half of the watched the second half of the USC Tulane game, which was uh, which was great to watch. And Alan, how's it going on your side? Uh, before we jumped on, I know you said you've had some some good a good bowl season so far. Uh, how how's it been going for you? I mean, I know we had some uh, some good news right before we jumped on here for uh, our, our personal fandoms, but how's it going? Oh man, you know, uh, pretty good. You know, I guess technically it's still the holidays, right? I mean, we're observing uh, New Year's today and everything, right? So, uh, no, no, I'm doing well, man. Uh, you know, I. Uh, it you know it's uh, been a pretty uh, quiet holiday season for me this year, um, you know, but a lot of good football on. So that's been uh, that's definitely been a plus. That has been a, a major plus on my side. Uh, I had written down this nice list of show topics, just kind of maybe talking about the major bowl games and stuff. And Alan jumps in and is like, "Let's talk about the Cotton Bowl." So <laughs> let's be petty <laughs> and talk about it. Uh, we'll get it on because it just happened. Uh, Tulane beats. Uh, USC on a what nine seconds left on the touchdown, uh, basically showing every single wart of every single uh, Lincoln Riley coach uh, loss that he's had in the postseason, all kind of replayed, and then to double up on that, basically uh, you know removing Caleb from having to answer questions from the uh, from the media, which I thought was bowl game like mandatory. But... Well, I think no, I think he did end up coming in and answering questions. Okay, so yeah. And then Lincoln Riley doing the shortest press conference he's probably ever done as a head coach for there. They didn't um, even get to ask him questions. He gave a two-minute opening statement, and then uh, apparently they, everyone that was there covering the game was uh, basically forced to only ask their their questions to the uh, to the players after that. Hilarious, hilarious. Yeah, t- just very typical. Yeah, that's 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 rough business there. But uh, Alan, I mean, what are some of the uh, this is some the last time we'll ever talk about it. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> as a, as a fan, I'm gonna love watching him lose, but whatever. Uh, it does seem if you look at Twitter and you look at some blogs already being written and you look at the message boards, uh, maybe they thought Lincoln Riley wasn't going to be the exact same guy as he was at OU <laughs> at USC. <laughs> uh, do you think he can change, <laughs> or is this who he is? And USC just needs to uh, uh, sit down on this. You know, it's kind of funny because before the season, you know, I remember thinking like, uh, you know, USC to a degree here, like Riley doesn't have a, a really high bar to, uh, you know, clear in the sense that USC has been so bad or just kind of mediocre yeah. for, you know, a while that I think that, you know, this is a good season for them, uh, you know, and uh, 
it was clearly fun for him. I mean, you know, they got another Heisman trophy out of it uh, all, and all, and all that. Um, but, you know, you're kind of reminded too, though, <laughs> exactly why it was that there was so much kind of, uh, I don't know. I mean, just there were, there were starting the doubts about his ability to kind of get over that hump started kind of creeping in there last year. And uh, you know, I mean, if, if let, I, let's let's be real like Leon Riley is still a very good football coach for um, sure winning conference winning conference championships winning you know 10 11 games that's not easy like regardless of you know whatever success he's had whatever I mean that is that is not easy but you know he just it again reminded you kind of like why I mean, you know, the whole idea like, oh, well, OU's better off now. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but like, I do feel pretty vindicated in the sense that if, if, well, if you were saying, you know, well, I mean, OU has a coach now who at least might give them a chance to win a national championship. I, I think that you're right in the sense, I mean, you know, Riley just, it's the same movie over and over and over. Yeah, and, yeah, the and, thing that. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, I, I was just gonna pick back off that. It's literally like everyone was calling OU fans like salty and you know, and mad, like all that stuff in the off season when they would say like, yeah, I mean the the defense is going to be an issue. Like it's like they, the OU fans tried to warn the USC fans and they were called bitter and salty and and part of that was probably true, but is it's like like Alan said is very like vindicated i i feel like for for ou fans and um i just i don't know how alex grinch has a job still like I, even to the second like i'm just waiting for the i'm waiting for the the tweet right now saying that he's he's gone but it's just it's the same story man and, and like you knew you knew usc was going to win a lot of games like I, I thought hey maybe nine wins something like that they obviously surpassed that just because Caleb Williams is that good. Like he's going to win you some games, but there are times there are, there are games, there are times when that defense will let them down. And it, it happened multiple times, man. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's literally the exact same movie, different uniform. Yeah. The thing that sticks out to me the most, uh, yeah. Cause Grinch is an issue there, obviously. I mean, just that defense is such an issue, but if you look at the, the play, I mean, just look at the drives, uh, USC punted one time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, they did. Oh, so, no, they didn't punt. No, no, never punted. They yeah, had a it, it goal, wasn't many uh, interception. Yeah. No, no, and it's just they kept scoring. Uh, obviously, the safety uh, put them back there. But I mean, the thing is, yeah, that they didn't punt at all. Uh, the thing is, to me, in my opinion, is that, and maybe this kind of rolls me back to how like the Rose Bowl played out and everything like that. Yes, in my opinion, the defense is a known quantity. You know it is bad. You know it's not going to do tackles and stuff. You're up 14. And how bad would it doing? have been? Sorry, how how bad would it have been if they weren't gift wrapped so many damn turnovers this year? Like, oh, yeah. So just the Notre yeah. Dame game, like they USC's defense was gift wrapped so many turnovers. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I mean it, it's you're up 14 multiple times. What are you doing? What, are you, what the fuck are you doing throwing the ball? 52 times and only rushing at 32. I mean, it, it, maybe it's like, this is how he plays. This is how he coaches. You know, we saw that with Josh Heupel. I mean, if you're up, stay up, keep throwing bombs. But at a certain point in time, you know, your defense is just being gashed just to run the football. <laughs> I mean, take the air out of the game and you're going to win the game. I mean, to a certain degree. And once you're up 14, what in the fourth, you can shut it down. Um, you know, it doesn't always work out. I mean, obviously there's some semifinal final games where it almost didn't work out, but um that that's the part where that's something on him, not necessarily on, you know, Grinch or the strength and conditioning and all that type of stuff. He himself calls the plays and he himself put that team into position to, to not win uh, at, 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 from his own play calling. I mean, scoring points, you got to score points to win, but if you can, the team can run out of time. This isn't baseball. I mean, like it runs yeah. out of time eventually. Uh, I don't know if that will ever come out of that part of him, whoever be quote unquote fixed, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and like, there's another thing to think about here that, you know, and I, I kind of, I was, when, when Riley, you know, was, I felt like was kind of holding OU hostage last year, you kind of get up to this point, like, 
like let's start thinking you know i kept i kept reading well fire grinch fire alex grinch right now you know okay fine let's let's say usc were to do that right yeah well okay now who are you going to hire right you you can say you can throw out all these names of different different defensive coordinators that you could hire jim leonard or you know whoever ron roberts i don't know if he's been hired yet or not but somebody like that you know what i mean but like the longer that this has gone on, I mean, we're talking about six seasons now of basically seeing the same thing over and over and over from Riley's teams. Like at some point, defensive coordinators are looking at that and saying, this isn't the defensive coordinator's fault. This is going to be, you know, an issue with this program. And so what kind of, you know, so it's kind of like, so the cost of, of making these changes and trying to fix this is going to keep going up because, if you want to now, if you want to hire a good defensive coordinator, right? Like, who's going to take that job without wanting, you know, some type of like contract that would, you know, essentially be what you'd give like a, a head coach in terms of cost? You know, what I mean, because you don't want your. I mean, think about how respected Alex Grinch was before he went to OU. You know what I mean? And and, and now he's been doing this for four years with Riley and his reputation's in the toilet. And yeah. maybe that was a case, maybe that was a case of, of Grinch being overrated. But I mean, you know, there's also a very good likelihood that Grinch is doing the best that he can. Right. Or now you say, okay, well, we just need to get some new players in here. We just need new, new talent on the defense. Well, now everybody in their mom who's recruiting against you is using the crap that you've been doing for six years to say, why would you want to go to USC? You're not going to, you're not going to do, you know, I mean, we'll prepare you for the NFL. We'll prepare you for success and you won't get that there. I mean, so what did you do then? I guess you could start paying the guys more, right? You could throw out more money in NIL deals, but again, like it's just like without Riley, I think making like a legitimate doing like a, a 360 degree analysis and like looking at it and maybe becoming like, you know, just redoing everything they're kind of in like this this uh you know feedback loop or this spiral that's just it's not gonna the, getting out of it's gonna be tough i will say riley was asked one question about uh grinch and he answered it as mike gundy should have answered it he's like why are you asking me that question 15 minutes after a game we have to look at everything from a thousand foot view yada 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 and just kind of walked his way out of it that's the only real question he seemed to have answered uh but I think that is the part of, I mean, I, I don't know. That, that's I kept thinking is like, is he just, this is a dumb, I'm going to say a very stupid thing. Is he just too good of an offensive coordinator to just be an offensive coordinator? Like you, you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like he's just, you'd have to pay him $5 million <laughs> just to be your OC because everyone else is going to make him your, the head coach. And even though he seems six years into this, doesn't seem to have it, that part kind of figured out. Not many coaches after six years, morph i mean it i mean what was it like osborne like it took him a while and he figured it out late but like not many guys figure it out six seven years into it i mean usually it's this is who they are to, uh, to that point of perspective and the idea if that's the the pitch to the boosters and to the all you know the higher ups just get better players let's just get rotate them in and out rotate them in and out doesn't matter how yeah you're right how's that going to work on a recruiting level, like, oh, you're just going to rotate me in and out the moment you think I'm not prepared or something of that nature. It, it just doesn't seem, I don't know. It, it couldn't have happened to a better guy from an OU perspective. So congrats, losing the Cotton Bowl, losing to Tulane. <laughs> uh, hopefully you're going to take that OU losing to mid-major teams <laughs> out, out West uh, and let OU lose to real football teams. <laughs> uh, Matt, you have anything else you want to talk about USC real fast uh, or, or Lincoln Riley? Uh, no, no, it was it was just fun to watch, man. Fun to watch, Coach uh, Coach Fritz and Michael Pratt. They get their revenge yeah. of what they should have got last mm -hmm. year. So good for them, man. And what a turnaround too, because I mean that was like after that first game against OU, it was like, man, this Tulane team is going to make some noise. Like they're going to make some noise, and then they <laughs> they did not. They bottomed out very quickly, and then, yeah. and then what a turnaround from uh, last year to this year, man. So shout out to the Green Wave. Yeah, the, the thing, yeah, I mean, on the green wave side of it, fantastic for them. I think what they, uh, they win like two games last year, three games, something something of that nature. Uh, now 12-2, and two, Cotton Bowl champions beat uh, the Heisman winner, uh, you know, the, the Ballyhood uh, offensive head coach. 
the, the stuff that too that reminded me I'm watching this game thinking you're down and they just never they he never panicked they never got away from who they were they kept running the football <laughs> now obviously you're running football at like you know eight ten yards a clip so of course keep running it <laughs> but they never there wasn't they didn't blink which is kind of kind of crazy to think that that um they didn't blink and then Mario Williams uh, ends up losing the game to a certain degree for USC by fumbling it on the one yard line uh extremely just sloppy play uh, what the, what are the penalties like. No, not too bad. USC only had five penalties for 37. Uh, I was Tul- expecting more. I just saw, I, I didn't realize, Tulane completed eight passes in the entire Eight game. passes, yep. For like 240 yards. Like, that's incredible. And one on the on the second to last drive, it was like a just an easy slant route that they took 80 yards, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. The, the, that's, that's the stuff that's, I mean, it's not like it where it was a, a fully fledged out two three-dimensional offense they were trying to stop (laughs) it's just here you go and then you know another thing real quick not having a special teams coach again comes back (laughs) bites him right in the ass Uh, but moving on that was a great little laugh for us that was fantastic to watch um you know i I won't lie once it actually once it was happening i was like oh okay i guess two lanes is not going to play this game (laughs) and then Mm. it obviously turned around very quickly but now we're talking about ou's bowl game in the loss (laughs) Oh, <laughs> you suffered to the hands of Florida State, uh, finally getting their revenge uh, for the national championship game. Uh, OU losing uh, by three. Uh, I think they've lost four games by, uh, on walk-off field goals this entire season, or was it three? Uh, something of that nature. Uh, not that many, uh, more than you'd like to see, uh, obviously. Um, losing to Florida State, Jordan Travis had himself a day uh, completed 27 passes, 418 yards, and also chipping in seven rushes for uh, uh, 50 yards. Uh, OU's defense really didn't have much of an answer uh, long-term for Florida State. Uh, Matt, what was your th- overall thinking watching this game, having fun with it? Uh, I mean, because OU did kind right. of seem like it was going to pull this out about midway through. Right, yeah. I think that was my main thing. I'm just, like, surprised and... I don't know, like, surprise may not be the best word, but like, it was kind of like, oh, okay, like this is this is what we're gonna do. Uh, where where's this kind of been uh, the last last however many uh, games of the year? But I don't know. I, I think for me, the the mistake I was making was thinking that, or not thinking, but like basically projecting out there that Florida State were some juggernaut. You know, which they they're not some juggernaut. They're good. They're a good football team. Like let's not let's not uh, get anything twisted. I'm not going to say they're not a, a good football team. And Jordan Travis is fun. He is fun to watch, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was my thing. I was like, oh yeah, oh, he's going to get killed. Like it's not going to be a big deal. They're down all these. They're down other offensive linemen. Like it's not going to be like that good of a game because Florida State's really good. But I don't know. I was the more I kept talking about it and stuff, I was just like. Man, I don't like Florida State's not a juggernaut, but this it is still this OU team that I've watched all year. So you know, I was kind of like in a in a weird spot with the game. But man, I was surprised with how they played. I was surprised with how um, the offensive line played. Now, listen, like I saw a bunch of people saying, you know, uh, that they were great. Let's pump the brakes. Dylan Gabriel mm-hmm. was he, Dylan Gabriel got sacked like so six times, and there's a reason they had to run the ball so many times is because like Dylan Gabriel just had guys in his lap all night. Um, but surprising in in a good way for for the offensive line. I feel like there was there was some reasons to be optimistic um, going forward. Um, that and then defensively, I I felt like they were picking on Justin Broyles a little bit. I felt like they were he was getting picked on a little bit. Um, but you know that's it's just. It was kind of just like watching an OU game this season. It's it's watching pick any one of them that they lost uh, for by three, and that's pretty much what you got. Yeah, the thing that really stood out to me uh, early on was watching OU take the lead. You know, to eleven point lead. There, it's like, okay, cool. We're doing great. We're doing what we're OU's doing. It's supposed to be doing. It's handling itself. It seemed kind of okay. I mean, it seemed like a two. Average, like, yeah, I'd say Florida State obviously ranked 13th in the nation, 10 wins. They are above average football team, but OU is an average football team, uh, you know, six and six, right there, average. Uh, and they're battling out just as well. And then Florida State makes the run, takes the lead, 
And I was just kind of thought, ah, shit, here we go. Like, the OU just is, they're done with it. It's over. And then they pursued a fight and, and kind of trade scores back and forth. And OU just couldn't couldn't get it figured out at the very end, obviously. Uh, the last, um, you know, the last drive given up Florida State, uh, six plays, um, uh, 61 yards over two minutes. I, I believe there are some... Uh, some timeout shenanigans in which I'd love to see uh, Brent Venables kind of get figured out maybe. Um, but ho- hopefully we get that part figured out. But I mean, that's, the, that's the biggest thing I saw there was OU fighting to the end, able to hold itself well against a Florida state team, which has multiple NFL guys on that defensive line, missing its top two tackles, uh, running the ball very well. Uh, what was their uh, end yardage uh, running? Uh, 253 yards, 60 carries to get 253. So <laughs> it's not like it's the uh, the most explosive uh, run game there, except anytime uh, Sawchuck got the football. But I was overall kind of pleased about it. I mean, Alan, what did you think about uh, about the bowl game? Are, are there any anything we any threads? I'm of the opinion bowl games are completely meaningless when it comes to prognosticating to a certain degree. But are there any threads that you can pull out of this game saying, here's some for sure positives coming for OU in 23? Yeah, you kind of touched on it there, but teams in this in this kind of situation very often uh, you know have a capacity to uh, not show up, <laughs> and we've definitely seen that from OU teams, even when they were playing in uh, you know bigger stages in the past at times. Uh, OU showed up for this game, and that, like that's a I think that's a good sign in terms of morale around the team uh, in the locker room. Uh, you know, in terms of buying in and being, you know, kind of, uh, you know, still, still being engaged, I guess would be the way to put it. Um, you know, some guys, it was their last game, of course, but, but for the guys who are going to be there, you know, going or relied on going forward, that's a good sign in my opinion. Um, I don't, you know, again, going back to the idea that bowl games are, are meaningless, like some of the stuff, then like the timeouts and stuff like that, like, yeah, these are issues that you know you've seen with OU in the past, but I don't, I don't mind those so much if you're using this like as a teaching moment or what have you. You know what I mean? Like because it's a bowl game, you've got to you're you're up against a you know a solid opponent. Um, so so that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, it, it kind of comes back like I would like to see OU get back to beating teams by three touchdowns and not need to worry about how they, how they allocated their timeouts or how they managed the clock. Right. So they need to, that's what, Oh, you need to get to get back to that kind of, that kind of dominance. And, you know, the, like, so I think that Brent Venables gets that to a degree. Um, I don't get the, because, you know, he's he's trying to you know kind of rebuild things on both sides of the ball and that's the kind of thing that you're going to have to do to play at that kind of level um so all in all i thought it was a good performance um there was a lot of good things to take away you know if you're one of these miserable people who are like oh well okay so it's okay to lose get out of here like i'm just i'm just saying there were good things to take out of that performance also i need to mention i forgot to mention too the running back room looks pretty good for the future. Yeah. yeah. I will say those, yeah. those guys looked, looked great. Uh, just, I wish somehow Gavin Sawchuk could have been an early enrollee because, uh, yeah. and listen to like, I know Eric Gray was great this season. So I, I, I'm not sure how much Sawchuk would have really played, but man, going forward, it, DeMarco Murray looks pretty good right now. <laughs> it looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing that I have the, the, the biggest takeaway is that, OU's found its number one and number two running backs next year. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's anything that you can you can take from this. You know, Devontae Barnes, 27 attempts for 108, four yards a carry, and then Sawchuck, 15 carries for 106.7 yards, each having a touchdown. I think I think you've kind of figured it out. Like these are the two, these are your two horses you can ride. Uh, and then anyone else you've got, you don't have to be shy about it anymore. Like you 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 can ride these dudes and you know what's gonna happen. Uh, you know, Barnes looks like as much as everyone was losing their mind about Sawchuck, and I was too. He's very good. Barnes looked like your RB one. Like this is the dude yeah. you can run between the tackles. He's going to take these hits. He's going to deliver the hits, and then is going to allow Sawchuck to come in against a tired defensive line and say, "Let's put this game to bed." You know, it's it's yeah. kind of like uh, 
it's you know it's a little bit of that Kennedy Brooks sermon one two they had mm -hmm. uh, you know sermon never was as efficient to a certain degree but he always had a lot of yards and he's always able to make something out of nothing and kind of allow you know, kind of loosen up teams um, uh, for them and I'm gonna I'm gonna echo uh, what what Matt was saying about the offensive line. I think the offensive line, I mean, you don't run for as many yards as they did uh, on a defensive line like Florida State. Um, I haven't looked up how many yards they actually give up on the ground. I'm going to do that right now. Uh, but they've got multiple dudes who are ballyhooed ballyhoo NFL uh, prospects uh, on that defensive line. And you don't do that well if the offensive line wasn't playing well. Now, I was getting a lot of pushback from people saying the offensive line had played great in there's 11, there's like what, five sacks, 11 tackles for loss. So I was like, uh, I was like, I don't know if there's great there, yeah, but they no, played, no, 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 no. They, they acclimated themselves pretty well, missing both starting tackles. Uh, Sexton goes down. They played very well. That gives you some like, hey, they were coached up. They played their assignments, but you had guys, you had two, both tackles at one play. They both pulled <laughs> the opposite oh directions God. and stuff. It's like, it's not great, but they played. They, they played above average, in, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, it's not like Gabriel had a ton of – Gabriel, who does hold on to the football quite a bit, <laughs> didn't have a ton of time, <laughs> a lot of stuff there. Um, is, is there anything else that you guys want to maybe – what about the defense? I mean, we saw the secondary again give up 418 yards. It, obviously, there's help on the way <laughs> to, to a degree there. Is this something that you think is – systematic beyond the point of Brent's defense is so complicated it was always going to need a year or is this there's this kind of like what we talked about the Lincoln Riley thing they just need to get new guys in there well like you you kind of you hit on it with the uh all the, you know you talked about the secondary with the the passing yards I just felt like God, they cannot get get any heat on the passer without maybe scheming something up, maybe playing some kind of two man game like on the edge or something like that, you know. But they just don't have any natural pass rushers out there, and it, I mean, you know, with giving Travis as much time, and then you know, uh, then you know when he's not able to find anything, he's able to take off because there's no there's no heat on him. Um, to me that, that was just, it was all year like that. And so, I mean, you know, you look at a guy like R. Mason Thomas, who's going to get even more of an opportunity, I think now to, uh, you know, contribute next year, PJ Adabare coming in, I, I mean, he could play right away. Uh, you know, saw McCullough. The other thing that was interesting to me is that you saw them pull, uh, David Aguebo off the field and shift, uh, Stutzman to, uh, Mike linebacker. And they were playing almost like a four-one-six type of look with him out there, and uh, at times playing Deshaun White, the cheetah linebacker, playing him as a high safety. Sometimes rolling him down into the box when they when they went to that package. But uh, I think that's a signal of what of where this is heading next year. With you know Stutzman shifting over and playing that Mike position, find somebody else to play the will. And what about you, Matt? Do you have anything overall thinking about the, like we talked about the offensive line, the defense stuff, and we're talking about Broyles. And one of us on this podcast was defending Broyles. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I will admit, at 5'10", going against a 6'7", dude, what are you supposed to do? Uh, right. There's, there's not much you can do there. But, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on just the defense? Because I mean, Britt was come in to be the defensive mastermind. Oh, you, yeah. I think, was like in the top five in tackles for loss to Alan's point, but almost all of that was schemed up pressure. I mean, it's kind of like yeah. a miss, a misnomer. Once you see those stats, like, man, Oh, you like, it, it's you see that I see that number and think, Oh, you generated a ton of pass pressure. Like when did that happen? <laughs> it, right. But the numbers are there, obviously. Uh, I mean, it, it, we're putting a bow on it just before we move on to like the full season recap. I mean, what, what was that part of it on the, uh, do you think there's anything defensively? Oh, you can pull out of this as positive growth. Um, Positive growth, I would say the play of Danny Stutzman towards the end of the year, that's that's very positive. I thought he played great towards the end of the year. Um, and like Alan said, I think his future is moving into the Mike Backer and then having someone someone else at will. And I would assume the Desan McCullough kid at Cheetah, maybe, or, or wherever he wants to play, basically. From what I understand, it's like wherever you want to play, 
uh, we're just going to get you on the field. Um, but maybe someone like a Kip Lewis or like a Jaron Kanick, someone at the will, just getting a bunch of athleticism out there um, at the linebacker. I think that's trending the right direction. And then Alan mentioned it too. It, you get PJ Adabari and, and he is probably getting a ton of playing time day one. Like that kid just looks like a freak, like a freak athlete. Um, and yeah, and that's the thing too. Like maybe like, I don't know. I'm I'm excited about Armisen Thomas. I think I think to me, Ethan Downs does like the little things correctly, but he whenever it's like, hey, pin your ears back and rest the passer. I for whatever reason, he's just he just can't do it. He gets he gets blocked too far up the field, and you know, Jordan Travis runs for a first down, or like or something, or Adrian Martinez runs for a first down. Like is it's something like it's stuff like that that just that just can't happen, which I I don't know. And then is is it time to move Reggie Grimes inside? Or because after the Nebraska game, he was not heard from. Uh, he was not heard from. I don't remember anyone calling his name. I don't remember him making like any flash plays, anything like that. Um, so I I don't know. That defensive line is a, is a question mark. And again, too secondary is still going to be a question mark, even though it looks it. It looks like, you know, you got Peyton Bowen coming in, who, again, I talked about P.J. Adabari. Like, that's that's a freak athlete kid out there having uh, at safety. Billy Bowman, I still like. And then uh, the Reggie Pearson kid coming in from Texas Tech, I like, too. So, um, I think it is trending positively, even though I've kind of been a little negative a little bit. But uh, I, I, do think it, I do think it's trending in the right direction. And my whole thing I keep coming back to this season – uh, about like Brent was supposed to fix this, yada yada. Brent is a great defensive mind. Let's not, but let's not get it twisted why he was so good at Clemson. They had first round pick after first round pick after first round pick on defense, man. And they're about to have like three more this year from Clemson that he had when he was there. So, like, it's 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 cool to be a great defensive mind. It's even better whenever you have you're a great defensive mind and you got the dudes to do it. Yeah, just talking about the grime stuff. I mean, that's something I don't know if I think his position, in my personal opinion, his position is the best position for him. I just don't know if he's at the level in which an OU defensive end should be <laughs> for, at that position. I mean, you've got McCullough coming in, you've got Trace Ford coming in. I think those snaps. For I even forgot Grimes about Trace Ford. I even forgot about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot, yeah. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I was missing yeah. someone. Yeah, so let's go into our transfers talk. Uh, OU's got help on the way beyond just a recruiting class. Immediate help of Reggie Pearson Jr., as was mentioned, uh, Trace Ford, Deshaun McCullough, uh, and others. Uh, you know, obviously Austin Stogner, but basically everyone coming in is on the defensive side besides Stogner. Jacob Lacey was a uh, much earlier on in uh, October. Uh, he came in, helped. It's going to be a uh, you know a DT nose guard type. Um, how sweet is it? Again. We were getting some nice pettiness out of this, uh, out of this bad season. Trace Ford comes to Oklahoma, signs it, stays in state. As Mike Gundy seems to have his entire program unraveling around him at his feet. Uh, one, if Trace Ford can stay healthy, I think he is a starter uh, on this defensive line, uh, potentially. And maybe that's good or bad, depending on some certain Oklahoma State people you listen to that maybe – uh, Trace Ford wasn't actually a starter anymore. He didn't played over so on forth. But OU's in a position to where Trace, if healthy, would be a starter or, or at least having starter type rotations. Um, of the guys we mentioned, all this defensive stuff, we don't see a lot of offensive production coming in from the transfer portal. All of it is defensive at this point in time, besides Stogner coming back home. Um, is this an, an, another area of concern for OU for in 23, thinking? We're gonna to have to take these six or seven defensive starters and no starter, quote unquote starters, and blend them in because this is who we got. Uh, because you know the 2022 class or 23 class, they're all gonna be babies, <laughs> uh, and hopefully this is the last year of having to take that many. Uh, I know Alan, you and I are kind of agreement on Brent's portal strategy seems to be working pretty well here in, in our opinion. You know, swallow your medicine, take the licks, <laughs> grow up. Uh, do we think some of these players are going to be able to get OU over a hump? Maybe just like a win total hump. Obviously not getting them to an overall 
they're winning 10 games and all of them are by 21 points or something. It's more now they're not in three because they won those three point games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, like you look at a guy like Trace for, I mean, I think that the portal can be used in my opinion for good depth or for solidifying shoring up, you know, positions. I, I don't, you know, you're not going to find um, another Caleb Williams out there probably in for a long time. Right. A guy like that. But look, I mean, look at the guys that are always brought in. I mean, now McCullough, that's a nice get. Like yes. maybe he's not a starter at Alabama or something like that, but he's a very solid linebacker who I think will be, you know, an immediate contributor, possibly the best player on the defense right away. So other than that, though, you start looking at some of the, I mean, you know, uh, Trace Ford, like let's say that Trace Ford isn't a starter, but he's a third down pass rusher. Like, yeah. man, oh, you could really use somebody like that. You know, let's say that Jacob Lacey isn't, you know, uh, you know, an all-conference level three tech, but he can give guys a break and he can, you know, he can provide some depth. You know, let's say Reggie Pearson, you know, can't really beat out like a Key Lawrence or somebody like that back there or Robert Spears Jennings, but he can make them get better and win the job. You know what I mean? Can put add more competition back there. I I think that that is kind of where, where this is heading. I don't know how many of these guys are going to just going to come in and, and be immediate contributors down in down out. But I mean, they're, they're shoring up positions where they really need it. And I don't feel like this time around, they're kind of taking as many flyers as they did last year. I mean, you know, a guy like, like Colden who had a fairly good season, you know, CJ Colden, you, you know, nobody knows about him because he's coming over from, you know, Wyoming. Nobody yeah. really knew anything about a guy like Morrison. Right. I mean, this is where the caliber of transfer right now is a little bit higher, you know? Yeah. That's something that I, I think is good to see is that OU again, I want to reiterate what Alan said. At no point in time am I making making any sort of prognostications about CJ Colden or Trey Morris or anything like that. But you're going from having to get guys from Montana to now getting guys from Notre Dame, getting guys from Oklahoma State. I mean, there's a higher level of place in which you're gathering guys. And that, to me, not only is that good because you're potentially getting a higher level of athlete, it's showing that the transfer the the transfer portal is seeing Oklahoma as a bigger destination place as it was more than it was a year ago. Yeah, you know, and, and maybe Brent wasn't being maybe Brent was being super super selective and who he was looking for, but now you're seeing OU is able to get. I, mean, I think Richie Pearson is a quality depth safety. OU will need to lean on next year. He played well for Texas Tech, who Texas Tech mm-hmm. who had a top ten defense uh, analytically in college football this year. That's a guy who's going to come over and immediately change things i mean if he if he pulls it together you know scheme wise that wasn't happening last year and i think that's probably the best case scenario right now is ou's name is getting some of its luster back that it had been you know OU had some dirt on its face it got it gotten punched in the face i think narratively and maybe from recruits and things of that nature uh but then now they've been able to kind of stand back brent was able to kind of solidify You've got a lot of recruits saying, we believe, we believe things are changing and we're going to be the ones to change it. Um, Matt, do you think I'm maybe a little bit off based on their thinking? It, it, this is beyond just who they got. It's where they got them from is the important part for OU in this transfer portal. No, I think that's, I think that's fair. I do think that's fair. I mean, I will give like CJ Colden credit yes. towards the end. He was like, Probably yeah. OU's best corner, him and Woody Washington mm-hmm. probably tied. But, like, I mean, you only got to see a couple games from him, really, because he wasn't an early enrollee. I think he had some stuff to tie up that, out of Wyoming, so he wasn't able to. But um, him, and then I feel like Jeffrey Johnson's best game came in the bowl game. Yeah, like, he played, well. he, he played well in the bowl game. I think that's his best game he played as a, as a Sooner. Um, and, yeah, no, like, I don't really remember – Trey Morrison a whole lot. Uh, there weren't a whole lot of memorable moments uh, from him this season. So I, I do, th- I think you're right too. And not only that, I mean, the the guys you're taking from the portal this season too, you talk about um, Jacob Lacey is a guy, I mean, played at Notre Dame, but that's a guy that Brent and, ba- and Bates recruited while at Clemson. Like they, they wanted him at Clemson. And I, 
how many of the, those guys exist on the OU roster whenever Brent took over? How many how many of those guys did they actively recruit while at Clemson that are on the OU roster on defense, I should say? Like I I don't know. Maybe like two or three, if I had to guess. Yeah, I think it was I think it was two or three. Right. Who, so who had, yeah. who had so like that, um bring it to San McCullough, who I'm sure that they recruited um at Clemson, um, and was like I don't know if it was confirmed he was a freshman All American, but he was playing at like a freshman All American level uh, there at Indiana. And then Trace Ford, who literally, when he started his career, everyone was like, oh, this kid's going to be like a first round pick in a couple of years. Like, that's how good his freshman season was at Oklahoma State. And then obviously everyone knows the, the story with his, with his injuries. But like, and that's a guy that if he stays healthy, you know that he can still help you. He can still help you a ton. I think there's still some, uh, left in the tank for Trace Ford. So, like, just those guys that you're taking, too. You get back Austin Stogner. Austin Stogner, who's played a bunch of football for OU, and then um, and then South Carolina coming back. And then Reggie Pearson, too. That Texas Tech's defense was stingy this year. They, they, they had a stingy defense, uh, and he was a part of that, too. So, I, I think you're right, man. I, I think you're right. The caliber of um, transfer guys, I think, will have an effect. And not only – like like Alan said, not only – if they start, but if they push guys um, for starting roles and and make that competition better, you know, the, the old like cliche iron sharpens iron. Yeah. So looking at Deshaun O'Cullen uh, was offered by Clemson and uh, yeah. guess who his primary recruiter was Brent Venable. So obviously you can yeah. tell that's something he had back in his back pocket, kind of hoping out for that perspective, uh, be able to pull that. And, and that's the type of stuff on that relationship style of, of recruiting. He always talks about like, and I think it's something that's been around for a long time. Obviously, I know there's a, I think the 30 for 30 about, there's about, it was something about Randy Moss where he like, he blew off West Virginia. He never even took a visit to them. And then when he needed somewhere to land, he had to go to Marshall because he'd kind of burnt the bridges at these other places. You just never burn a bridge at this type of, in this type of business, uh, you know, even as a student athlete. Um, on the transfer stuff, Alan, do you have anything, uh, any guys you're excited about that OU has got so far? I mean, I think that maybe the obvious is uh, McCullough, but is there anything, uh, anyone who's like standing out from who they have that makes you think, hey, this is more than just a depth guy. This is a dude I'm I'm, I'm paying attention to. No, I know Nicole is the one that, uh, yeah. you know, really, I mean, I, I, my my opinion on the transfer portal have made it clear. You know, I mean, I, I, I a lot of times, I, I I just don't want to pin my hopes too high on on a lot of these guys. But uh, McCall is an easy one to uh, you know watch and, and think. Okay, he's going to make an immediate impact. Okay, moving on to returning players, I do not have a for sure list on this, but I do know we've got in front of us. Uh, you know, Woody Washington, Isaiah Co, Isaiah Co came or returning two defensive guys returning, uh, obviously needed. You know, Woody's going to stay uh, stabilize, stabilize the um, secondary. And then obviously defensive line is just a desperate need for, for Oklahoma right now. Uh, are there any uh, announcements of, of guys staying that of beyond those two that, um, that I may be missing, or we think is somebody that OU actively needs. I know Mims's name is in the ether at this point in time. Uh, obviously it'd be a great, great addition for OU to keep hold on to. Uh, but is there anybody I've missed or anybody that we think we need to keep an eye on? Um, well, there's been uh, on the offensive line, What's the? I mean, I, does Murray have another year of eligibility? Or I, I mean, or I, I thought I, I read maybe he might qualify for an injury uh, a year, an extra year. I don't know. Um, I, I just heard that kind of you know out there, but he, I mean, I think he's played six years, so or at least been on a campus for six years. Um, and then it says his Tower, class is I'm, fifth year. For Chris okay, Martin. so he could he might have another year left, potentially. Of, yeah, uh, yeah, because of the COVID year. And then uh, McKay Matower, I'm assuming is coming back. I can't imagine. Does he have one year left? I believe so. I believe I, I believe your inside guys are, are 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 mainly coming back. Right. So those. I mean. <sighs> I'd like to see more competition at both of those positions going forward, but it's good to have, you know, if they, if they're, if those two guys are able to come back, that's kind of nice for stability, from a stability standpoint. Um, but otherwise, you know, uh, not a lot of other names out there where I'm looking at thinking, oh, okay, that's going to make a big deal. 
what about you, Matt? Anybody who's who said they're staying so far, or or you think we're just we're needing the the, the weight of bated breath to figure out what Marvin Mims is going to do? Right. Yeah. Um. I think we need to wait on that because, like, I don't know. I think because he already got they already got all their draft grades, especially before the bowl game too. So you would think that with the way things are going now and plus like he had teammates opt out like Harrison, like Eric Gray, mm-hmm. like these got Jalen Redman opt out. So you'd think that he probably would have joined them if he was going, but hell, I don't know at this point, like <laughs> at this point where, where we're at with the opt out stuff, like uh, shit, Caleb Williams knew where he was going to go and he still played in the bowl game for OU last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like who knows at this point, I think you're just waiting around for, uh, for the kid to decide what he wants to do. Because, again, too, th- there are still kids, and some kids are like, hey, you know what? I want to play one more time with my guys, like, you know, and that, yeah. and that before going. So, like, and that's that's totally understandable and um, and plausible. So, I think wait on, on Marvin Mims, and and we'll see. We will see. If right, not, it's still Lil Farouk, wide receiver one season, baby. Oh, true. <laughs> true, true, true. Well, man, Drake Stoops. Oh, I didn't put Drake Stoops. Yeah, Drake Stoops. That's right. Bob Stoops' YouTube channel. Bob Stoops <laughs> ruined yeah. it. He ruined it for him. He didn't even have a chance to announce it. Yeah, yeah, Drake Stoops, wide receiver number one at that point in time. Uh, which actually, I, I like Drake. I think he's a very good fit for the offense. Like he does the dirty stuff really, really well. Uh, but I, I won't lie to say I was excited to see the Gavin Freeman show like fully open up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the the dude has a spark to him, has some speed. I still don't know if he can handle the over the middle stuff that you know that Drake has been able to do uh, for his career. Uh, but now we're going to move on and talk about the semifinal games. We actually had two interesting competitive football games for the first time in college football history. Uh, wasn't complete blowouts on either side. TCU, uh, you know, keeps playing that Texas football. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose, and they're getting it done on that, that perspective. Uh, uh, Michigan, I think if, if anyone who's upset, I think Michigan, I guess I guess both the Big, big Ten teams, but if I were a Michigan fan, I would be uh, in a place right now, <laughs> seeing how that game kind of played out. And then obviously, uh, Ohio State just is just not able to keep the heavyweight on the mat, and Georgia comes back at the end to kind of win that ball game. Uh, Alan, well, these are two close games. Were they two good games beyond them being close? Uh I think that you could say that about Georgia and Ohio State, mainly just because of the caliber player that was out there for both those teams. I mean, you know, you're looking at guys who you know are going to be, you know, coveted by NFL scouts, um, a lot of talent out there in that regard. Uh, Michigan and, uh, you know, TCU felt almost a little bit, you know, kind of like, well, uh, a semifinal game, but uh, it just didn't have the same kind of flair. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that. I mean, it was an exciting game. I wouldn't call it a good game, and a lot, of, and a lot of that being because it just felt to me like, and I hate to say this, but it felt to me more like Michigan lost that game as opposed to TCU coming out and, and beating them. Just the way, I mean, two pick sixes, the Philly specialty gets stopped inside, handing off to a linebacker on the goal line and him fumbling. Like, I mean, it, it was like. I, that kind of thing, man, like, you know, the, it, everything had to break kind of right for TCU and, and Michigan served it up to him and TCU took it. Michigan trick y'all, man. Michigan trick y'all. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Russell Westbrook yeah. quote about Pat Bev. Michigan mm. trick y'all, man. Again, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I, I did not uh, get tricked by Michigan like so many people did, man. Uh, I was, I was, uh, clamoring hammer tcu money line i michigan does not want this dude it was so hilarious too the uh you know i believe jj mccarthy which mm-hmm. by the way much respect to him i did not expect that from him passing the ball uh so he he shut me up forever um playing like he did and passing like he did but he was talking he was talking a lot leading up to the game about you know if they stay in that three three five we're just gonna basically run it down their throat and TCU stayed in that three three five, and then Michigan was like, "Why can't we run the ball? Why are we yeah. not running the ball against three down linemen? What is happening outside of the first play of the game? Uh, the Michigan run yeah. game was nowhere to be found. And I don't know did did they break a record for showing a replay more than the Roman Wilson touchdown that wasn't 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, just so many excuses. Like, oh, this would be a completely different game if they just called this a touchdown. Well, yeah. Also, like Alan said, they had it first and goal from the one. Just punch it yeah, in. Hands it off. It, punch yeah. it in. What are you doing? So I don't want to, like, again, I think it was a touchdown, but still, like, they just get every – like every commercial break, and just a reminder, they would have had this touchdown. <laughs> they would have had this touchdown. It could be a completely different game, but no, they the ref screwed them. It just is so funny, man. So funny. And um, Michigan lost two straight playoff games and probably going to lose their coach to the NFL. So, you know. yeah, the, yeah, uh, go Broncos. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the thing. I mean, looking at that just for that game, there was one way for TCU to win the game. And the way they won is the one way. I mean, there was no other, like, they had to get pick sixes. Cause I, and I saw some TCU fans be like, well, Michigan also got two interceptions and 14 points off. I mean, it's like, but they intercepted and had to drive the score. It yeah. wasn't, a, I mean, those are, there's differences in there, in, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Michigan had a more consistent offense. They pushed through things now. Just, it's, it's, it's almost as if they weren't ready for the fight at the beginning. And then Michigan is, I say they're not a team ready to come back, and that's how they beat Ohio State. Uh, they're both second-half teams, and they both exploded in the second half. It kind of reminded me of that uh, Carolina Panthers-Patriots kind of Super Bowl where it's kind of like, okay, they're, they're filling out, and then all of a sudden everything just goes off at once. Um, I, it, it, if I were a Michigan fan, I mean, it reminds me of the Spurs – Shout out to Davis uh, losing in, in 2012 to the Heat uh, or 2013 to the Heat and just being like, oh, my God, this is it. There's so many things had to go wrong for them to lose this. I mean, they're blowing them out. Uh, I mean, the two pick sixes, all the inside the five yard line stuff. I mean, it just got it felt it felt kind of like if you if you change the colors out, it felt like how OU would have lost this game <laughs> in the past. <laughs> yeah. where it's like they kept fucking up randomly for no reason. Uh, but credit all credit to where TCU is. You can tell no one on Michigan's defense, uh, I guess, had heard Quentin Johnson's name before uh, or knew he was that fast. Uh, but we did see the uh, two passing touchdowns, which were the Lincoln Riley special, that wide receiver screen caught behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, Michigan was it, – it seemed really weird to see the Michigan defense, who a lot of people are saying this is an NFL defense. It's just very good. Seemed to really not know what – TC wanted to do. Uh, that was the stuff that was kind of strange. Uh, at the same time, TC kind of blitzkrieged uh, Oklahoma and Norman <laughs> as well. So uh, it, it's a different caliber there. I do not think TCU is going to be able to hold that up against Georgia, my personal opinion, but stranger things have happened. Um, but the Ohio State-Georgia game, Alan, Georgia, Georgia just, can they can they be beaten? At this point in time, I mean, it's like they, they took the punch in the face, they stumbled around, and they came, you know, Stetson Bennett. I mean, Ohio State said, Stetson, you're going to have to be a Heisman caliber quarterback to beat us today. And guess what? He did. I mean, he's throwing it to wide open guys, so whatever. But he made the passes when they need to happen. They made Georgia pass, and Georgia passed. Uh, it's not something I thought. I, I thought that's where Georgia would get into trouble. Uh, I didn't think they were, a, a, you know, an overall explosive offense. But they kind of proved they could be uh, if pressed. Um, is, is this? I mean, did do you? I mean, obviously it came down to that field goal. But did it come down to that field goal, or was Georgia kind of figuring it out as it was going? I mean, I Ohio State. I mean, don't forget they lost their best player in the third quarter, right? I mean, Marvin they Harrison did. Jr. Uh, who apparently has a famous dad. I'm not familiar with him, but yeah, don't, yeah, don't say that name. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, he, uh, you know, I thought he played, uh, I mean, he was, he was making, he was such a difference maker for them all year and losing him. That really hurt them, uh, late, uh, you know, uh, playing for that field goal at the end. Also, in my opinion, the way that Ohio state kind of managed that last drive, I wasn't, wasn't a huge fan. Uh, you know, I mean, leaving a guy out there to kick a 50 yarder it's college. Like it's not, you know, I mean, you gotta, not the way you should be playing that. But to, to answer your question, though, about Georgia, I mean, Georgia's a beatable team, but not by any of these teams <laughs> in college football <laughs> this year. I mean, you know, I mean, like uh, they probably, I think they probably beat, you know, they probably beat o Ohio State, you know, six, seven out of 10 times. Uh, and that might, might be the second most talented team or sec or the team with the best chance of 
playing with them, you know, at this point. Uh, so I, I don't see them having a problem with TCU. Um, you know, the other thing to keep in mind too, is like, you, we talked, for example, about Michigan having a hard time with TCU's three three five. Well, Georgia's got that, you know, armada of analysts who have been probably scouting TCU for weeks at this point, you know, getting getting everything ready, every different I mean, you just know there was some dude who had been studying Ohio State special teams who in the, you know, second half there signaled down to to Kirby Smart, like, hey, they're about to run a fake or something like that based on how they're lined up here you know i mean that kind of stuff I mean, that's a huge that that's that's that kind of stuff on the margins is a big advantage also so i i see i mean i just see georgia run away here yeah i, I just don't see tcu has the i know we just see if michigan you know thought michigan hey the 335 or pound the rock on this I, I just don't think tcu has the offensive line or defensive line play to to stand up to, to Georgia uh, and I think they can keep it interesting I mean obviously this is a team that's come out very hot and very they, they play very hard um I think this is the maybe after watching those games um the, the playoff committee guy is just completely right I mean these were the four uh, <laughs> at any yeah. point in time these were going to be the four who needed to be in there needed to play that game uh, but we have an interesting game now I mean, we have a mm-hmm. non-traditional power, TCU, versus now a, I guess you'd call them a traditional power. Uh, I mean, the, they're the Clemson, I guess. Like They're the new Clemson who've bubbled up. They won a championship early. Now they've won a couple now. Very kind of similar profile. Uh, obviously, way, way bigger resources and a recruiting a footprint at Georgia. Uh, more than likely transitioning to the new Alabama. Um, but, yeah, that, that that's I think will be interesting, but I just don't see how – TCU is able to pull this off unless they just are able to heat up Stetson and then the finally, finally the strike, the clock strikes midnight on him. <laughs> yeah. But when you got all that, whether he's got around him, I mean, gosh, man, it's, you know, I mean, a lot of those dudes are going to make you look good too. So I will say too, yeah. to, to defend Stetson Bennett, like that final drive he had, he was nails, man. He yeah, was, he was absolutely. awesome in that final drive to go win it for him. So uh to defend him a little bit but he was no he was nails on that final drive yeah no that's i mean that's the thing that's been there i mean we're it, it's the broadcast is like the unheralded it's like he was in new york for a heisman trophy presentation <laughs> what do you mean the unheralded i mean he right. is he's not going to be drafted like baker mayfield but you have if you just look at what he's done he's baker mayfield at this point in time now obviously he's got much better offensive line defensive line defense around them and stuff like that but if you just squint your eyes and see the production uh, he's able to do that stuff. He's not the number one overall draft pick type of guy. He's going to be like a practice clipboard holder for the rest of his life or, you know, or have a really, really, really productive car lot. <laughs> but you have to give him his due from what he's done. Uh, it, so far, it's not changing. The, the, I think the, the QB of that game that really showed something to me was C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Playing, uh, all of a sudden, he became not Ohio State Landry Jones in a game. <laughs> that's, that's who I always thought he was. It's like he's just throwing the five-star guys without any pressure. Uh, he moved the pocket. He was able to reset himself and throw throw guys open, make some ridiculous passes, and really made you kind of think, did we really shortchange him so much? Because he was the – and maybe I'm just wrong here, but he was the leader of the pack of the Heisman – loses to Michigan and all of a sudden it's like, well, it's Caleb. So it was always Caleb's to lose. And now we see him play again. It's like, well, maybe he always was great. It's just, he had one really bad game. Uh, but I think CJ really is the guy moving forward um, on that part of it. But I do think, I mean, as Alan said, Ryan day probably has some, I don't know what Ryan day does at this point in time. Uh, it, it's a kind of a similar story as the Lincoln Riley where it's, you're you're just he, they're just kind of fine tuning the same machine over and over again, hoping this time it's going to work. And even he had mentioned in his stuff about Jim Knowles saying we can't have this stuff, we have to move forward. I mean, he was pretty aggressive uh, talking about staff changes and things of that nature, um, re- really kind of pushing the ball down there. And guess what? He lost a, he lost a playoff game in the last second, so a field goal, and uh, you know didn't short change the press conference. You know, sat there and answered all the questions. So good on Ron Day on that point in time. Also, Lincoln um, Riley said it. He said the magic word today in, in his press conference. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. He said they were close. They're close. They always are. Uh, 
that that's going to be the the free podcast from us today. Um, this is through the keyhole. Remember, guys, if you like this, you like us bantering around about this stuff, please support us at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Uh, as always, to our sponsor, our title sponsor, Finesse House Brewery uh, down Automobile Alley in Oklahoma City, uh, really brewing up all the best uh, best local local brews, local beers, uh, as always. Uh, we're entering into the offseason of OU football. We're going to have some uh, other stuff to talk about, so hang on with us, uh, and we'll be back there with you guys. Uh, but Alan, Matt, did I miss anything um, that we have got going on? I think we got it, man. Yeah, got, got it, it all. Matt, we'll take us out of here, Matt. Boomer. Sooner.